Well, good morning, everyone. Are you ready? Well, let's turn to our passage that we're going to read today, 2 Peter chapter 3. We're into the third chapter, the third and final chapter of 2 Peter. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of this chapter. And uh, I really pray and believe that as we go through these 10 verses, that the Lord is going to do something in our lives, stirring us up towards what Peter is sharing here, and that it will bring a level of sobriety, but also of hope and change in our lives. So let's read verse 1. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Well, this is the word of God. May the Lord bless it to us. In the last chapter, which we looked at two weeks ago, Peter described the characteristics and the work of false teachers. I'm sure if you were here, you'll remember that message. And he spoke about the danger that they would pose to Christians. Here in this passage, Peter is addressing another danger that he foresaw. I sort of imagine Peter way back then as he's praying and as he's meditating on things that the Lord had shared with him and spoken to him. And the Holy Spirit is moving in him. He foresaw what was going to take place as he puts it in this passage, in the last days. And what did he foresee? He saw a danger that he refers to as scoffers. He says scoffers will come in the last days. And so we see here that his purpose in writing what we've just read in these 10 verses was to save the church in the last days, and that refers to us, it means us, from the influence of these scoffers. Now I think if you, just, if you just hear and listen to what people are saying around the world today, 
there is a high level of scoffing at the Word of God that is taking place today. Many people take this book and they've cast it into the fire, so to speak. They no longer think it's valid. They no longer think it has any relevance. They no longer think it is truth. They think it's just some sort of myth. And so around the world, there is a, a great amount of people that are scoffing at God's Word. And so what Peter foresaw nearly 2,000 years ago would happen in the last days is actually happening in our days. He was foreseeing what we would face. And he was foreseeing the danger that this kind of scoffing would have upon our lives as believers in these times. And so with that in mind, let's go through what Peter said in these 10 verses and let's just break it down and, and have a good look at it. So first of all, he describes to us what scoffers will say and what they will do, and we will see that. He explains why they will do it, and then he assures us that what Scripture has predicted will certainly come to pass. So let's have a look at this. Verses 1 and 2. He says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. That's why it's called to Peter. And he says, in both of them, he is stirring up our sincere minds by way of reminder. That's his purpose. Then he says in verse 2 that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So he starts out this passage by telling us the reason that he wrote what he wrote. And what is it? It's to remind us of what is written. It's to turn our minds back towards the scriptures. And this is actually the second time in this letter that he's done this, that he has specifically pointed us back to what the scriptures say. You see, Peter understood something. He understood that the greatest threat to us as believers was going to be an attack on the validity of the scriptures. This book here. He understood it was this book that was going to come under attack. It was this book that Satan was going to seek to denigrate. It was this book that he was going to seek to separate people from. Okay? So you can see his purpose here is to direct us back to what is written here. He mentions here two very specific aspects of Scripture. The predictions of the holy prophets and what he calls the commandment of the Lord and Savior given through the apostles. So let's ask ourselves, what is he talking about here? What are the predictions of the holy prophets that he's referring to? Well, if we look at the context of this passage, we can clearly and easily see that what he's referring to is the prophecies in Scripture that predict Jesus' second coming and the day of the Lord. Those two things are inseparable in Scripture. Jesus' second coming and the day of the Lord. And you know that the Bible is full of such prophecies. In fact, these predictions form a major subject in Scripture. It's not just a little sideline issue. This is one of the major themes of Scripture. It's repeatedly predicted by the Old Testament prophets that there will be a day where God will enter into this world and intervene in this world. Do you know that that day is coming? It often comes up in the Psalms. As you read through the Psalms, you will see the Psalms saying things like this, The Lord is coming to judge. 
It talks about that. Many of the Lord's parables, if you read through the Gospels, and a considerable amount, considerable amount of His teaching in the Gospels, refer to or point us to this particular event, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you, if you just think of the parables, you'll see just how many of them the Lord was talking about this in those parables. It's often mentioned by the apostles in their teaching. If you read through the epistles, you'll see the apostles like exactly what we're reading today, pointing us back to this particular uh, part of Scripture. And then the entire last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is devoted to this. So I think we can see that this is not some side issue that is irrelevant or unimportant to us. I think we can assume that the Lord wants us to know about this event that is predicted in Scripture. The coming of the Lord Jesus, the second coming of the Lord Jesus, and what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. So notice what Peter says here. He says he wants us to remember the predictions of the prophets. It seems almost as if Peter was presuming that the people he was writing to would know the predictions of the prophets. Because how can you remember something unless you first know it? And the question I, that came up into my mind just as I was preparing for this message today, the question was, I wonder how many people that are seated in this building today know what the predictions of the holy prophets are in this regard. Because if we don't know what the Bible says about the coming of the Lord, about the day of the Lord, about what is ahead of us, how can we remember them? We have to first know them. And so maybe there's a place for us, if, we, if we're not sure of what the Bible predicts, there's a place for us to actually find out, which means we've got to go back to the Scriptures and find out what they say about this. Let's move on now and let's ask the next thing. What is this commandment that Peter talks about? Remember, there's two things he says to remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior given through our apostles. So what is this commandment he's talking about? Well, I believe this. It is the teaching of the apostles in the New Testament. So Peter's pointing us back to the predictions of the holy prophets and the teaching of the apostles. And the teaching of the apostles, when you really think about it, only makes sense to us in the light of the predictions of the holy prophets. The gospel doesn't really make any sense unless we fully understand what is coming, what is going to take place, unless we understand that there is a day of the Lord. There is a day of judgment. The gospel doesn't really have that much significance unless we understand that. And so these two things work together hand in hand. We could sum up this commandment just in these words. It is to repent, believe the gospel, and live according to God's will. That is really sums up the teaching of the apostles. And if you look at all the letters of the apostles, you will see those three components in them. A call to repentance, a call to believe, and a call to righteous, holy, and godly conduct. So if you look through the book of Romans like we did, you will see all those aspects there. If you look through the book of Hebrews like we did, you will see all those three aspects there. So these are the things that form the, the basis of the apostles' teaching. So let's ask another question. Why did Peter want to direct our minds 
towards these two specific aspects of Scripture. Well, he tells us in verse 3, he says this, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Do you know that God wants us as His people to be fully versed in the Scriptures? I think we live in a generation today that really does not fully appreciate the importance and significance of the Word of God. And I know we've been hammering this, this, this drum over the last few weeks. But I believe that this is vitally important for us. We have got to be people of this book. And this is what Peter is saying. And he says the reason why is because people are going to come. The world is going to be full of people scoffing in the, in the last days. Just as we said. Just as we can see. He says that these scoffers will do two things. They're going to scoff at the predictions of the holy prophets. They're going to look at the predictions of the holy prophets and say, what are you talking about? That's never going to happen. That's a load of baloney. What a load of rubbish. They're going to scoff at the predictions, the prophecies of the holy prophets. And then he says, the second thing they're going to do is they're going to follow their own sinful desires. Instead of obeying the commandment of our Lord and Savior, they're going to just obey their own sinful desires. That's what they'll be living for. That's their whole purpose in life is to gratify their sinful desires. I tell you, this, this is a description of the generation in which we live today. We are living in a generation that is scoffing and a generation that is following its own sinful desires. Look at the kind of things Peter said that they would say in verse 4. And just ask yourself, does this sound familiar? They will say, where is the promise of His coming? Where is it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. So they will scoff at the reliability of all the prophetic scriptures. On what basis? The fact that it has not already happened. They'll say, look, it's been 2,000 years since that was said. Even more since the prophets spoke in the Old Testament. And it's not happened. So they will take the fact that it has not yet happened and they will conclude that it's never going to happen. Which is really quite a foolish thing to do, I think. They will believe in uniformitarianism. That's a big word that sometimes you can get tongue twisted trying to say. But really what it means is this. It's a belief that rules out any sudden catastrophic changes to the current natural order. So in other words, it says this. It says everything will always continue as it has been and as it is today. Are you hearing that? that you know that that's one of the basis that a lot of people scoff at Scripture? They say it's just going to continue exactly as it is. Nothing's ever going to change. They rule out any idea of the fact that there is a God in heaven who is able at any time to intervene in this earth and to intervene in a sudden catastrophic way. Okay, so scoffers rule that out. And you know what they do? They goad us, they goad us who believe the Bible like Elijah goaded the prophets of Baal. Do you remember the story? The prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and they were saying, crying out to Baal to bring fire down and 
set that wood alight, and they went on all day doing that. And while they were doing it, Elijah was sitting there, and he was scoffing at them. He was mocking them. He was saying, you know, maybe your God is on the toilet. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he can't hear your prayers. Do you know that that's exactly what the world is doing to us who believe today? They're sitting there and they're scoffing and they're saying, where is this God that you talk about? Where is this judgment day that you, you preach? Where is the second coming of the Lord Jesus, this coming of this Christ? Where are all these things predicted in the Bible? And they laugh at us. But you know why they do it? Peter tells us right here, it's because they refuse to consider the historical narrative of the scriptures. Peter reminds us of this in verses 5 to 7. Let's have a look at it. He says, for they deliberately overlook this fact. Notice that word deliberately. They deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now notice, they very conveniently overlook this. This is what Peter's saying. It's, it's a convenient thing for them to ignore. Why? Because if they ignore it, there's nothing that can, that can hinder them fulfilling their own sinful desires. So people don't want to know about this. People don't jump up and down when we talk about the day of the Lord, when we talk about the second coming of Christ, because people don't want God to intervene in the way things are. So they deliberately overlook that the Bible teaches things that, the Bible teaches that things have not always been as they now are. You know that scriptures teach that. God can easily intervene. There was a time when there was no earth. There were no heavens. There was nothing. But God changed that. And how did He change it? He changed it by just speaking, by His Word. Then there was a time when the world was happily going along, sinfully going along, and God comes to a man by the name of Noah and he says, I've seen the wickedness, I've seen the evil, and I'm going to judge it. And he tells Noah to build an ark. And he says, I'm going to destroy it by water. And anyone that's not in that ark is going to be destroyed. For a hundred years from the time that he spoke to Noah, Noah began to build that ark. The Bible tells us he was preaching to his generation. They saw this crazy old man and his sons building this ark in the middle of a place where there was no water. And when they asked him what he was doing, he said, water's going to come. Water's going to come from the skies. Do you know that that had never happened up until that time? Those people had never seen rain. Because up until that time, God didn't water the earth that way. And so Noah tells them about something that's going to happen to them that they've never experienced, they've never seen. And you know what they did? They scoffed. They scoffed. They laughed. They jeered. They mocked. They refused to believe. They, we've never seen this. What is he talking about? What happened? Well, we know the story. 
the day came where God shut Noah and his family into that ark and the rain came. And it rained and it rained and it rained and the entire world of that time was destroyed. You see, what Scripture is telling us is historically God has entered into this world and intervened in sudden catastrophic ways. And what it's telling us is that things are not always going to be the way that they are. Just because the sun rose today and it's going to go through and set does not mean that that may happen tomorrow. And Scripture tells us, and Peter brings it out here, that God has said, just as He said He would destroy Noah and Noah's generation, He has said that there is going to be a day when He will intervene again in this earth and it will be destroyed with fire. So His Word determines what's going to take place. But we also see here that this current heavens and earth are being kept by God's Word. Do you know people overlook that? The only reason that things are carrying on the way that they are every day is because God said that that's the way it would be. Do you remember what He said to Noah? He said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That's why things just continue the same. But he also says here that this is only going to happen until the day of judgment. It's not going to be this way forever. There is coming a time when what is happening, the way things are, is going to be changed. And if we have a look at the last few, three verses here, look at what Peter says. He says, do not overlook this one fact, beloved. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed." Do you see the absolute certainty of what he's saying here? Scoffers may deliberately overlook these facts and choose to do so, but we must not. We mustn't allow the skepticism of the scoffers in our time to stop us believing the predictions of Scripture. We must not allow the fact that 2,000 years have passed since Christ and even more since the prophets spoke to think that what they said is just a fairy tale. God does not define near and soon the way we do. It's because He's infinite and we are finite. 2,000 years may seem a long time to us, but it's like one day to the Lord. It's like a blink. It's nothing. We mustn't look at things through the lens of our short, finite experience and think the Scriptures are false on that basis. We could say this, the world has an expiry date. God has set it. And what God has said will ultimately happen. And it's not going to happen one moment too late, and it's not going to happen one moment too soon. 
The Lord Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. It's certain. Heaven and earth will pass away. Then he said this, my word will never pass away. What was he saying? He was saying that God's word is more certain than this world is. God's word is more certain than this world is. So let's ask the last question today. Why the delay? Why is there a delay? Why is God delaying? Well, Peter tells us, it is so his purpose in salvation can be fulfilled. Aren't you happy that God has delayed this long? Imagine if he had decided the end had come before you came to hear the gospel. You see, God is ready to judge. He's ready to pour out his indignation on this earth. But before he does so, he has a people to save. A people whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world. A people who when they hear the gospel, when they hear the predictions of the holy prophets, they will believe and they will repent. Just like Noah did. Noah heard God's word. He heard the prediction that God gave him. He believed it. His family believed it. They repented. What does that mean? They obeyed God's command to them to build that ark and to enter that ark. And because of that, because they believed and because they obeyed, they were saved. God is in the process right now of saving a people out of this earth. And he's calling people. He's reaching out to people. He is inviting people, exhorting people to come into the ark, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, to put their faith in Him so that they might be saved. Because there's going to be a group of people that are going to pass right through this judgment day unscathed. Notice it says, the judgment day is reserved for the ungodly. There is a group of people whom the Bible calls the righteous who are not going to be judged on this day. And God's call and God's purpose for every single one of us here today, I believe, is that we would be a part of that saved company of people. And the Bible tells us that it's going to be such a large company that they will not even be able to be numbered. In Noah's day, it was just eight people. But in this day, it's going to be an uncountable number of people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Isn't that incredible? And so this is why God is waiting. It's not that He's, he's failing to fulfill His promises or that His promises are false, that He's lied to us, that He's just trying to deceive us. No, it's because He has a work to do before that day comes. But... That day is going to come. And when it comes, just like on the day of Noah, when Noah and his family were shut into that ark, the people outside the ark were gone. There was no longer any place for repentance. There was no longer any place for them to be saved. Because they rejected the way that God had prepared for them to be saved, they were lost forever. They were consumed in that flood. And this is the way it's going to be on the day when the Lord Jesus comes again. Those who have put their faith in Him, those who are 
holding fast to the predictions of the holy prophets and to the commandments that he's given us through the apostles will be saved. Just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you remember the fire came? And when they came out of that fire, you couldn't even smell it on their clothes. That's what it's going to be like for the people that have trusted in Christ on that day. But for those who haven't, the Bible says there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be dreadful. The Bible says the day of the Lord is great and dreadful. For those who have believed, it is great. But for those who have refused to believe, who have scoffed at the Scriptures and continue to follow their own evil desires, it will be dreadful. And this is what Peter wants us to know. This is what Peter wants us to be absolutely certain of. There is coming a time when God is going to judge the world. There's coming a time when He is going to serve justice. There's coming a time when He's going to save His people through it all. Isn't that wonderful? Let me just remind you that He said here, it will come as a thief in the night. This day is going to come as a thief in the night. Let me read two portions of Scripture to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Paul writes, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You see Paul saying exactly what Peter said? While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 42. He said, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Do you hear the word of God today? Do you hear the words of the Lord Jesus today? Do you hear what the apostles are telling us today? How do we live ready? Hold on to the predictions of the holy prophets. Hold on and obey the commandment of our Lord and Savior given through the apostles. We will do that. The Lord will come and save us. Isn't that wonderful? Let's just pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to see that what you have said determines what will be. I pray that you would help us today to take to heart 
the predictions of your prophets in Holy Scripture. I pray that you would help us to take to heart all that is written, to build our lives and base our lives upon it, and not just to be hearers of it, but also to be doers of what it says. Father, thank you that even though, Lord, your judgment is coming, you have a great plan and a purpose for us. You have sent your Son to die for us so that we might be saved. You have sent him to bear our sins so we might become the righteousness of God in him. And thank you, Father, that he is coming again, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And so today, Lord, we want to be amongst those who are waiting for you and are looking for you and eagerly desire your coming. Father, I pray today, help each and every one of us also, not just to think about ourselves in this regard, but also to, to think about other people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, who need to hear these truths. Help us, Lord, to be your witnesses in this earth. I pray, may the words we've heard today, Father, not fall upon rocky soil. May they not be stolen away by the devil, but may they find soil that will cause your word today to bear fruit, to bring forth a great harvest in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.